it's an exciting time in life for a lot of folks. It's a, it's a challenging time, but it's a great time. We have a lot of students here. Uh, met a number of them uh, for the last service and, and this service. And so students, welcome to Bowling Green and uh, welcome to Living Hope. Let's welcome them. We're so glad to have you. So just want to encourage you to be here at 9.30, I know 9.30 on Sunday, in the fellowship hall. We have a time for you guys to get connected with other students. And Wednesday night at the chapel at 8.30-ish, you don't have to be on time there. It's an ish and uh, time of, of, of just praise and some teaching. Students be looking for us on Wednesday morning. We're going to be out handing out donuts and encouraging other students to come and fellowship with us and be a part of what God is doing here at Living Hope. And what he's doing is he is teaching us how it is we are to live this life that we're given in Christ. We're calling it the divine life. And this life, it's, it's very spiritual, uh, but it is extremely practical. It's, it's not just to, to, to be something ethereal. It's, it's meant to be something that actually gets lived out. You know, when Jesus Christ saves us, and we, we say this in baptism, we want to make sure that everyone is clear who makes public profession of saving faith in Jesus Christ, that they say, not only is Jesus my Savior, He's my Lord. And we ask two questions. Who is it? that has saved you? And the answer is Jesus. And then we say, okay, who are you gonna live in obedience to the rest of your life? Jesus. That's what we confess at baptism. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And, and, and what, we, what we see in our text is this call to this life, what it looks like when our heart, when our heart really is right with God and we are truly loving and living for Him, what, what happens, what the manifestation is. You know, right now, there are a lot of kids that are in school and it, it's time to start signing up, you know, for clubs and, and organizations. You know, and, and when you do that, what you're basically saying is, we want to be, I want to be a part of this. And they basically say, hey, okay, this is what's required of you. Right now, uh, we have a, a number of young ladies, they, they, they've rushed, they've gone through Russia, now they're in a, a sorority. And so the important thing is to understand, okay, here's what you're joining, here's what you're responsible for. Same thing that happened with a lot of young men in sports teams. You know, it's, it's interesting. There's so many, so many folks right now say, oh, I want to play, I want to play. We had a team meeting. Uh, the other night for, for one of the sports. And it's crazy. Coach wants us to show up to practice. You know, he wants us to get in shape. He wants us to actually, you know, know what's going on. How much more so does Jesus Christ, who has come and given us his life so that we can live in him, he calls us not only to trust him for forgiveness of sin, but to obey him so that we can find and fulfill our destiny. What our text does for us today, it gives us practical ways that that happens. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to Colossians. We're in Colossians, students. And so uh, those of you who are just now becoming a part of, of uh, Living Hope and gathering for us in worship, we're in the midst of a book study in Colossians, and we got uh, several more months in it. So we're glad for you to pick up with us in chapter 3. Lily's going to read for us, so let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. We're in Colossians chapter 3. And uh, verses 1 through 11. Lily, read that for us, would you? If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things on, on, on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, and you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, 
evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming, and these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not a Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, but barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lily. Good job. If you would go ahead and be seated. So uh, again, Colossians was written under, uh, by the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is the Word of God. He wrote at a particular time to a particular people according to God's will. And now we have these truths for, for our own lives, for our own walk with God. Uh, the situation is this. Epaphras was one of the main leaders in the church. He had come to saving faith. Uh, while Paul was preaching, we think, at, at Ephesus for three years, went back, shared the gospel. Many were saved and baptized, and they formed a church. And they found out Paul was in Rome and was uh, in, in need of some help. So they raised money, and they sent Epaphras on a mission trip to Rome, where Paul was imprisoned. And Epaphras explained what was going on with the church at Colossae. And Paul recognized immediately what was going on. This church was being plagued with wolves. It's not, it's not the first time Paul had encountered wolves. If you, if you don't know what spiritual wolves are, go back and read Acts chapter 20, verse 29, where Paul explains to the Ephesian elders, they met uh, in Miletus as he was getting ready to go to Jerusalem. He said, look, here's what's going to happen. There's going to be wolves that will come amongst you. And these are people who do not teach the Bible. There are people who take on leadership and influence, and rather than teaching the Word of God as the authority, they begin to teach the things that, that are important to them, their ideas, their feelings. And there are people standing on stages all across this country and the world today who say they're leading the church, and, and what they're giving is not the Word of God. They're giving their feelings. They're giving their thoughts. They're giving their ideas. There's no authority in that. Our authority, our authority for faith and practice comes from the Bible. And so the, the, the authority that, that we're resting on and counting on is what God has given us in His Word. And so the Apostle Paul, writing Scripture, says to this church, listen, look out for those wolves. They're lying to you. You need to know the truth and you need to stand on the truth. And so what he's saying to them is, rather than looking at earthly things, you need to get your eyes up. You need to be, be looking at what is above. See, there's, there's two options, spiritually speaking. The way above, which leads to and is loyal to the, the heavenly city. And then there's the way below. It is the, the way that leads to and is loyal to the earthly city. And that's what the apostle is talking about. Years later, almost 400 years later, St. Augustine, writing the city of God, spoke to this reality that we live in, this choice that we have. Here's what he wrote. Two loves have made two cities. Love of self, even to the point of contempt for God, made uh, the earthly city. And love of God, even to the point of contempt for self, made the heavenly city. Thus, the earthly city glories in itself, and the heavenly city glories in the Lord. The earthly city seeks its glory from men, but the heavenly city finds its highest glory in God. In the earthly city, the lust for domination dominates both its princes and the nations that it subjugates. 
In the heavenly city, both leaders and followers serve one another in love. The earthly city loves its own strength, displayed in its men of power. The heavenly city says to its God, I love you, O Lord, my strength. There are two options. There's the city of God and the city of man. There is the, the way of above and there is the way of below. And the city we choose is the one that we desire. Everyone always does what they want to do. Everyone does. But what you choose to do has everything what is the, the, that is the desire of your heart. There, one of the earliest church writings is called the Didache. And it was also known as the Lord's teaching through the 12 apostles to the nations. And it speaks to the outcome of our choice, either the way above or the way below. Listen to this practical saying. There are two ways, one of life and one of death. And there is a great difference between these two ways. There's a great difference between the way of God and the way of the world. But we choose. Which way are you choosing now? If you say that you're choosing the way of God, if you say that, that you have repented and believed in Jesus Christ and that you are, are living out your heavenly citizenship as foreigners right now, as ambassadors to the world, then the way you live will be different. I appreciate the way Tim Keller explains this. If you say, I believe the gospel and your life doesn't really change in a way that other people can see, you haven't grasped it. The gospel brings about radical change in the life. When Christ becomes your savior, he becomes your Lord. And as your Lord, he is going to command you. He calls us to a specific way of life that glorifies him. But here's the good news. It blesses us. What God wants for us is the best. What the world offers us is a cheap counterfeit. We need to be able to discern the difference. And we need to be willing at whatever cost to pursue God and trust and obey Christ. What we see in our text is, is how when we desire God, when we desire his glory, when we desire to honor him, what the outcome is. So three things to note. The first is this. Christian obedience emerges from a heart that, first of all, constantly focuses on the reign of Christ. You've, you've maybe heard people say of Christians, you know, they're so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly good. There's this idea that, you know, if you're, if you're really focused on God, then, then you really don't, don't get what's going on in the world. You, what you really need to be doing is, hey, yeah, that's great about heaven, but, you know, we got things to deal with down here on, on, on this earth and we, we need to work on this stuff. Can I tell you, there's no power in that. That's not what the Bible teaches. Here's what the Bible teaches. I love this. The Bible teaches that we must be heavenly minded or we will be no earthly good. Because see, if we, if we see Christ crucified, raised and returning, knowing his love, knowing his power, that's going to alter our perspective on everything. And rather than only loving people who are like us and only loving people that are lovable, instead we can love the way God has loved us. How has God loved us? With an unconditional love. He has loved us despite the facts we have sinned against him, despite the fact that we haven't agreed with him, despite the fact that we have committed treason. That is the love that God gives. And can I tell you, that's the love that's gonna change the world. 
It's the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. And you're only going to see that love. You're only going to know that love. You're only going to pursue that love if your eyes are on the eternal kingdom where Christ is seated. Now look in verse 1. If then you. Now, important question. Have you then? If you then. That's a big if. Have you indeed, are you a person who can say with confidence that you have been raised with Christ? Have you been transformed by the gospel? And I know some of you would would like to know, well, how can I know? It's very simple. Have you come to a place in your life at some point where you would say, I'm done with the way of the world. I'm done with with figuring out my own way. I repent of that. Repent means I'm turning it away. Instead, I believe that Jesus Christ is God that he died to pay for my sins, that he has been raised and he's returning and he wants to rule me so that I can find and fulfill my destiny. Have you ever in your life come to that point of decision? If you have not, what you're about to hear, it's impossible for you. So I don't want you today to think if you're a non-believer and you're here today, okay, I need to be doing this stuff. Let me just tell you real honest, you can't because see, your heart's not in it. Until your heart is in Christ and Christ is alive in you, these things don't really apply. And so those of you who are here, as I was many, many years ago, sitting in church listening to messages like these, here's what I would encourage you to do. Ask yourself, do you want this life? Because here's good news. If you want it, you can have it. All you have to do is ask. All you have to do is ask and he will give you this life. If though, If then you have been raised with Christ. Two things that we're commanded here to do. Notice the first one. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. There's many things that we could seek. The the one, there's three things I would encourage you to seek. First of all, seek your identity from Christ. Don't wait for the world to tell you who you are. Don't try to earn your value in this world. Instead, look to Jesus Christ, the one who loved you, who has paid for you, the one who has made you a child of God. You who are in Christ, listen to me. You are an adopted child of the King of heaven. That is your identity. It's not what you can make. It's not what you can earn. Your identity is in the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. You are a blood-bought, spirit-filled child of the Most High God. Amen? That's your identity. And, and, and that's what you need to be looking up. You gotta be looking heavenly. Where, who am I, God? God tells us. And then you gotta be looking to God for provision. So look for your identity. Secondly, look for your provision. God always provides for his will. He doesn't always provide for our wants, but God always provides for his will. And so here's what we need to be doing. We need to be looking to heaven and saying, Lord, I know, I know you've called me to be your child. I know that you have saved me. I know that you're at work in the world. Provide the time I need. Provide the energy I need. Provide the supplies and resources I need to be able to do what you have called me to do. Everyone in this room who's been saved by by grace through faith in Christ alone, you have a destiny in Christ. And you know what? He'll provide for it. Sometimes he's waiting for us to ask, to get our eyes off of ourselves, get our eyes off of the world, get our eyes on him for our identity, for our provision. And then third, purpose. Purpose. There are so many who are looking for their purpose in what they can produce when they're one and only life. God has so much more for us. 
And my friends, understand it's better. It is better. What, what God wants for us is better. So if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Secondly, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Listen, you have an eternal soul and the things of this world are temporary. They don't have the density and strength to carry the weight of your eternal soul. Only Christ can do that. So, so what do we need to be doing to set our minds on things above? Simple. We need to be asking, how is God at work in my life? How is God at work in my world? And how can I join him? Can you answer that question right now for your life? Just off the top of your head. If someone were to pull you aside this afternoon and look you in the eye and say, how is God at work in your life? Could you answer that question? Could you say, hey, here's what I'm reading in Scripture right now. Here's what I'm learning. Hey, this is what I'm praying through right now. Here are the decisions I'm pursuing. Here's how God is, is leading me. Here's how God is at work in my life. Could you say, here's how I see God at work in the world. Here's what I'm praying for. Here's what I'm pursuing according to His Word and pursuing His way. That is what it is to have your mind on the things of God and being willing to join Him when He's doing Now, I get it. I get it. I know some of you are like, yeah, that's good for a preacher. You know, you're paid to be good. We're good for nothing. No one ever gets that anymore. That's a joke. Come on, lighten up. But I get it. You know, so look, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, I can already hear the arguments in your head. Pastor, I've got real problems. I, I got things I got to get done. I, you know, I've got stuff going on. There's other, there's other considerations. Listen, I understand that. But can I tell you, every one of those is going to pass away. Whatever temporary thing that has you overwhelmed right now, it's going to pass. And then guess what? There'll be something else. So long as you're alive on this planet, here's what I can assure you. You're always going to have a problem. You're always going to have something to distract you. What the Word of God says is, look, don't be defined by this. Don't get lost in this. Get your eyes, get your mind on things that are above. And when that's happening, there, there's going to be a focus that, that reminds us of some very important things. Look what it says here. You have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Your old life is over. This is pictured in baptism. You've been buried with Christ in baptism. Your old life is over. You've been, you've been raised to walk a new life. And so this new life is hidden in Christ. Can I just tell you how liberating that is? See, your shame, your guilt, the things that, that were in your past, they are done. They are covered in Christ. There's a little girl that was raised in our church, and whenever I see a picture of her, I, I just laugh. It just makes me laugh. And whenever I see her out, I always ask her about her cowboy boots, and I think she's tired of the joke. But I still think it's funny. Because when she was a little girl, she refused to wear shoes. She would kick them off in church. She didn't want to wear shoes. She wanted to be barefooted. And her feet were nasty. They were always dirty. And so one Sunday she came in and she had on cowboy boots. And the next week she had on cowboy boots. And from what I understand, she always had cowboy boots on. And so I saw her mom out. She said, please ask her about the cowboy boots. I said, all right. I said, well, hey, sweet girl, what's going on with those, those cowboy boots? She said, well, you know, my feet were so dirty. And my grandpa told me, girl, your feet are dirty. And so he gave me these cowboy boots. And now my feet are covered and I'm never taking them off. <laughs> and I don't know that she did. I think she just outgrew them. But see, 
what happened there? I mean, think about this. Her feet were dirty, but now they're covered. Now, now they're protected. Now, now there was something beautiful on the outside. And yes, cowboy boots are beautiful, even in shorts. <laughs> on some people. Nobody in this room, but some people. This is what Christ does for us. Our sin is covered. It's paid for. And can I just tell you, Jesus is better than a pair of cowboy boots, as cool as they are. He covers us. And now our life is hidden in him. All this stuff that we would be ashamed of, all this stuff that has weighted us down, all that stuff, it's done. You have a new life. See, when, you're, when Christ, who is your life, appears, not only now, but in the days to come, then you will appear with him in glory. What we're living for is not just now. It's not just what he's doing now, but we're living in light of the fact that he's coming again. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 24. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And what he's looking for is he's looking for us to be busy about his kingdom work so that when we see him face to face, we will hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Listen, don't, don't do, don't be faking this. I saw a, um, a bumper sticker recently, and, and this is what we're not supposed to do. Yeah, guys, go ahead and, and what, yeah. Jesus is coming, look busy. You know, don't fake it, all right? That's not what this is about. It's not, oh, look like I'm busy for Jesus, even though I have no heart for this whatsoever. He's coming back, I gotta act like I'm, it's not, it's not like, hey, here comes the boss, act like you're doing something or he'll give you something to do. It's not that at all. It is, he is my Lord, he is my life. He has forgiven me, he has covered me. My life is hidden in Christ and what he has for me is the best. And so I trust him and I will obey him, second. Christian obedience, it emerges from a heart that is, and I love this, ruthlessly, it ruthlessly crushes the impulse to sin. Ruthlessly. Look at verse five. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And then there's a listing. Look at verse eight. Put them all away. And then there's a listing. Verse nine, do not lie to one another. Why? Seeing that you have put off the old self. Let me tell you something John Owen said. And this is a fact. Be killing sin or sin will kill you. It's a fight. Be killing sin or sin will be killing you, bottom line. If you're not killing sin, then sin's gonna kill your marriage. It's gonna kill your relationship with your kids. It's gonna kill your relationship with your friends. It's gonna kill every good thing. Be killing sin or it's gonna kill you. How do we do that? Let me give you real quick some, some ways I've thought this through in the way I go about killing sin. First thing, call it what it is. It's not a mistake. It's not a bad habit. It's sin. It's treason. Call it what it is. Second, confess it. Not just to Jesus. Men, talk with other men. Women, talk with other women. And do this, expose it to light. Sin hates light. You know what sin loves? secrets. Sin loves for us to hide those sins and keep them away. You know what will kill a sin? Confessing it to Jesus Christ. Confessing it to brothers and sisters in Christ. Calling what it is. Third, uproot it. It's like a weed. How many of you who have homes, college students, this is one of the blessings that you get to, hopefully in your dorm room, you don't have to deal with weeds in your yard. How many of you right now in Kentucky are dealing with weeds in your yard and weeds in the flower beds? Those of you who don't have your hands up, here's what you've decided, you don't care anymore. 
And I'm with you. Johnson grass is grass. It cuts just like any other grass. Just let it do what it's going to do. Who cares? Don't do that with your spiritual life. Sin, it's like a weed. It just keeps growing up. And you know what you got to do? You got to reach in. You got to pull it out. Now, having said that, let me just tell you something. It hurts. Because it's become a part of your flesh. But we got to make a choice. If you are genuinely a child of God, we have to choose either to scratch that out of us or know that God's going to come and tear it out. And he does it because he loves us. In the uh, Narnia uh, writings, in the Narnia books, there's, a, there's one, uh, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And in that, there's a, a little boy, Eunice. He's, uh, he's, just, he's just awful. And what he is on the inside is revealed on the outside. Becomes, he becomes a monster. But, but God, who is represented in Aslan, wants to change him. And so you see him, in the, and he tries, to, he tries to, to tear off what was, but it hurts too much, and he's unwilling And so God has to step in. Watch what this looks like. writer tells us that if we are indeed God's children, he's going to discipline us. Friends, we get, a ch- we get to choose. Discipline ourselves or have our Father discipline us. I say this to my children. We can do this the easy way or the hard way. But either way, it's going to be my way. This is what our Father says to us. God, our Father, says, I love you too much to let you stay this way. Discipline your life. If not, the Father lovingly will discipline you. Tear it out. Yes, it's going to hurt. Yes, it's going to be hard. And then run from it. That's the fourth thing. Name it, confess it, uproot it, run from it, or starve it. Romans 13, 14 says this. But put on, on, the, on, the, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no, look at this, make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Where do you struggle? Listen, don't go there if you have a choice. You know, what is it that's going to cause you to be tempted? Remove it if possible. Listen, I know what my challenge is. It's like this big and it has an M on it. M and M's. And yet I have 20 pounds in my office right now. And it's gonna put 200 pounds on me. And I got a choice. So I'm thinking about it. (laughs) Friends, we gotta make a choice got to make a choice. Listen, the Lord is going to discipline us, and my belt is going to discipline me because sooner or later it's going to get too tight and I'm going to have to make some decisions. Don't do that. No, no, no. Make a choice, and, and instead of just, of just kind of dealing what is, train yourself. 1 Corinthians 9, 27, look what it says. But I, dis- I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Be ruthless with yourself. And in saying that, let me, let me make sure you get this. It's not just about saying no. It's about having a better yes. 
Jesus Christ is a better yes. There's a lot of folks who say, I don't want this. I'm gonna say no to this. And then they just come up with something else that just isn't enough. I heard two testimonies this week. One was from an NFL player. And this NFL player two years ago was on drugs. And he's no longer on drugs. And so they asked him, why are you no longer on drugs? Why is it that you are performing at such a high level? He said, well, you know what? I decided two years ago that, that I wasn't gonna get high like this anymore. My new high was gonna be in fitness and performance on the field. What's he gonna do when football's over? What's he gonna do if that ACL snaps this week? It's not a big enough yes. The other story I heard about was a woman who for years had given herself to men in the hopes of finding approval. And she'd been abused. And so she went to a therapist and the therapist said to her, listen, you need to stop looking for, for men to approve you. Instead, you need to go out, get a job, and, and you need to earn your own way, stand on your own two feet. And, and so when people look at you, they know that you're successful. She went and talked to her pastor who had encouraged the her to go see the therapist. <laughs> said, you know that therapist you sent me to? He said, yeah. She said, well, I think she's wrong. I said, really? What, what did she say? She said, well, she told me to give up, you know, finding my identity in men, but now she's telling me I should get my identity in a job. It seems like I'm just training, trading one socially unacceptable thing that won't last for a socially acceptable thing that won't last. See, you know what happens to a lot of people in our world? They just, they just keep switching their idol. Oh, I'll, I'll live to look this way. Oh, that, that doesn't work. I'm gonna live for, for this, getting this job. Oh, that doesn't satisfy my soul. I'm gonna live to have kids. Oh, they definitely won't do that. And so, you know, <laughs> they just keep trading the thing that they think's gonna do it. And can I just tell you? The only yes that will satisfy your soul is Jesus Christ. He is the only one that gives you a living hope. And so our scripture says plainly, choose Christ, get your eyes up. And that's the third thing to get. Christian obedience emerges from a heart that joyfully chooses to live new in Christ. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. That NFL player, bless his heart, unless he will come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, at some point he's gonna find himself empty all over again. And thankfully that woman, by the power of the Spirit of God, was able to see her idol for what it was. Friends, can you see your idol for what it is? Can you see the earthly thing that you're most drawn to that will not ultimately satisfy the longing of your soul? It's just not big enough. Your soul weighs an eternity. You need an eternal being that can hold the weight and fill the gap that is eternal in your heart. Jesus Christ alone can. And in him, I love this description. And we'll close with this. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. He is all and in all. Friends, it's not what we were. It's, it's who we are now. 
You know, when I, I think this morning, I was, I was thanking God for getting to be your pastor. And I was laughing about my life. And I just, I just, I just, just kind of chuckled to myself and thought, how, oh Lord, did you get me here? And then I started praying for you all. And I laughed because I thought, how did you get them all here? I mean, you think about what is and who is in this room. You know what doesn't bring us together this morning is our color. You know what doesn't bring us together this morning is our politics. You know what doesn't bring us in this room together? It's, it's not because we're from the same socioeconomic background or because we're the same age. You know what creates, creates a crazy motley crew like this? Jesus Christ alone. Only Jesus. Amen. Give him praise. <laughs> I said it like this at the 8 o'clock. Only God could take this many weirdos and make them good. And I'm going to tell you, some of you, you're on the outside looking in right now. I get it. I know. I've been there. I'm going to tell you, there's room at the foot of the cross. And by that, I mean, if you want life in Christ, all you got to do is ask. Let me tell you what I did. 15 years, 15 years old, got on my knees and said, Lord, forgive me, I knew, need new management. You're in charge now. I was saved. Maybe some of you this morning need to get on your knees and say that to him. Some of you are God's dear children, and you know you are. But if you're honest, you don't have the first clue of what he's doing in your life because you're not looking to him. You're not pursuing his divine plan you don't have a sense of assurance of salvation. You don't have a sense that you're finding, fulfilling your destiny. You're just looking at the next earthly thing and trying to figure out what you're going to do. It's empty, friends. You know what's full? Christ. Some of you need today, you need just to come and say, Lord, help me to get my eyes off of what I can do and my eyes off of what's going on here. Get my eyes on you. And if you need help, that's what he wants you to do. He wants you to ask for help. The child of God brings glory to the Father when we simply ask and trust him. What does not give him glory is you saying, yeah, I figured it out. Yeah, I, I did this thing and now, you know, it's great. You know what brings him glory? I didn't have a clue, knew I didn't have a clue, asked him for help, God provided. And it wasn't even what I was looking for. That's what always makes me laugh is I think I know what I need and God says, good try. Here's what you need. Can you, will you trust him? If you'll trust him, you'll obey him. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Let's stand together. Father, right now we're going to sing that truth. And as we do, we have opportunity for some that, that can come and pray. I want to ask for leaders to come and pray for revival, to bring their bulletin and pray that, that revival prayer. Lord, I also want to encourage any today who, who wants you, God, in their life, that they'd come get on their knees and ask you to forgive them and take over. For some who need your help, for some who, who really, they know, they know, Lord, but they're just not there. Lord, would you today give them peace to know you are with them 
and that they can trust you. And, and God, give them faith now to ask you to help them. In a spirit of prayer, come and pray. Let's sing this.